Welcome to the South Coast Repertory Podcast. I'm Tanya Thompson, Public Relations Director. And joining me on this edition is Casey Stangle. She's directing our season opening production of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility. It runs September 1 through 29, 2018. Casey, welcome. Great to see you again. Thank you. I'm very happy to be back. So I want to take you back to when you first read um, Jessica Swale's adaptation of Sense and Sensibility. What was going through your mind? Yeah, I was so amazed by how theatrical and cinematic the adaptation is. Um, Right at the very beginning, there are kind of two scenes happening at the same time, and there's a sort of split scene idea, and she talks about how time moves forward in one scene but but um, stays the same in another scene. So it has this very modern feel to it. Um, it's also very rapid and quick-moving. Um, I think sometimes we think of Jane Austen as you know, sort of quaint and old fashioned and of of another era. And I think the adaptation, because of its swiftness and its use of really modern like cinematic technique, it really makes it feel very contemporary. And so it it very much focuses then on the characters and the themes of the play and their situations. So essentially, it sounds like we're going to be having a foot one in our century and one back in Jane Austen's century. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's this, you know, the way we've approached it is there's a kind of essential periodness to the set. uh, But at the same time, if you look very closely, it's also a, a bit abstracted. There's also a lot of moving furniture. Um, there's video and projections and um, and a and a, a, a a lack of there's not like a ton of furniture. The, the rooms are not realistically appointed. It's more just kind of what we exactly need for the scenes. And I think that will also help to put a focus on the actors and therefore on the characters and their relationships with each other. So I think it will have I hope, as you say, I think that's a good way of putting it. I think it will we we're we're definitely, you know, we're not placing it. It's not like we're it's not like we're in modern day. We're definitely in, you know, uh, sort of, you know, right at, at that same Regency time period. But yet there's just a sort of feel of it that has a kind of modern contemporary feel. And there's a lot of humor comedy. Yes, definitely. And I think that's, again, one of the things that the the adaptation is really good at is finding all of the humor in Austen. And, you know, she was very sly and funny and kind of droll and dry. And that's all very captured, as well as, you know, just a lot of there's some, you know, some fun characters that are very big and boisterous. And we, we definitely get to spend a lot of fun time with them. Now, you've touched on characters and also actors, so I'm going to bring you to the next um, point is tell me about the cast that we have. Yes. Well, first of all, it's just an amazing collection of incredibly talented actors. They also happen to be a very diverse group, and that was part of, for me, one of my part of a piece of the context and the concept of it to stay in keeping with this modern, more contemporary leaning idea. I wanted us to be looking at the world of the play more through the lens of the of what we're seeing currently today. So rather than it being um, exactly what you might see if you were watching a Jane Austen movie, I think it's going to have a more contemporary feel. So it's, it's a very diverse group, um, including 
Uh, for example, the the three women who play three sisters are all three of different races. And that was very deliberate for me that I really wanted to make sure that the audience isn't trying to sort of do the math around, uh, you know, well, are they supposed to be, did, did, are we supposed to think that she married an African-American guy and that, no, we're just doing a, a, a purely, as they say, colorblind, or I, I prefer the term Hamilton casting uh, idea so that, again, we're just trying to reflect the world that we're living in. And one of the ways in which I've talked about it with the actors is that I, I really wanted to collect an ensemble of really talented people that would reflect the world that we live in and see them all as storytellers. Uh, the other part of the adaptation that leans into that is almost everybody, with the exception of the two uh, young women that play the lead two, the two lead roles who embody sense and sensibility, everybody else plays multiple parts. So this idea of actors doubling and we then accept the theatricality of one minute they're playing a 60-year-old woman, the next moment she's playing a 20-year-old woman. So it's diverse, not just racially, but also in terms of the depiction of age. It's diverse in terms of um, like size and body type. Um, we have some people that are playing roles that might not be, again, the way it might have been historically portrayed. So again, this idea of a, a group of actors that form an ensemble, and from that ensemble, we tell the story, leapfrogging over uh, characters and time and place. I guess we've been dancing around the story itself a little bit. Could you give me a quick summary of the story of Sense and Sensibility. Sure. It it starts off with the Dashwood sisters and their mother. And uh, the father has recently died. And um, they are, the sisters are the product of a second marriage of the father. And so in this time period, the inheritance patterns are very rigid and very precise. And so this family is not on paper left any money. And they're sort of left to the generosity of the child of the first marriage. And um, he's a little bit um, on the fence. He's a little bit of a bumbling guy, but his wife has very strong feelings about where that money should go. And and in her opinion, it should not go to these sisters that she calls half-bloods. So they are left destitute and then spend the remaining of the play essentially being confronted with how they're going to be situated in their life. And one of the things that the play talks about a lot is how important it was for women in this time period to either get married or if they don't personally get married, then they need to be connected to a sister or an aunt or a relative that gets married so that they are situated. Because if women weren't married, then they were completely on the mercy of their family and relatives. And I think one thing that the adaptation does a very good job at is maintaining the buoyancy and the fun of the piece, but yet we really see the high stakes of that and see how actually quite serious it is for these women in these circumstances. So one of them, Marianne, meets a, an eligible bachelor who's a colonel, who's a very uh, military, quiet, uh, unassuming sort of person who falls madly in love with her, but she gets her head turned by a very dashing soldier and there are complications that ensue there because he turns out to be not quite who he says he is. And then the other sister, Eleanor, the elder sister, she meets um, Edward, who is the brother of the aunt who doesn't want to give them the money. She meets him early on in the play and they have an instant attraction to each other. And, and it's also an attraction that's born out of, you know, mutual 
likes and mutual temperament. And that's another kind of radical thing for this time period that you would marry somebody because you actually love them. So this idea of, of love as, as an element of marriage is something that Austen was very interested in and wrote about quite a bit. It's in a lot of her books, but this is her first or at least her first published novel. So it's it's the beginnings of that conversation about the idea societally that 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 marriage should include not just be a business proposition, but actually be an emotional one as well. And so Eleanor and Edward meet and but it's a kind of comedy of errors around all the ways in which they get pulled apart. And then it turns out he's entangled elsewhere. But I will I will suffice it to say that because it's a comedy, uh, one of the def- classic definitions of comedy is journey end in lovers meeting. And that's what happens in this situation. Tell me why this particular adaptation and this play is so right for our day and age today. Well, I certainly think that given the Me Too movement and all of the things that we're talking about, about how men and women relate to each other, it's certainly the play leans into those kind of feminist themes about what the options are that are that were available to women at this time uh, around marriage and also about the uh, around work. They really don't have any sort of option to work. So therefore, if they don't have any money, then they basically are very quickly fallen upon not just difficult times, but can often be forced into prostitution. And that's an element in the story, not with any of the characters that we meet, but we hear about characters that ha- that, that happens to. So it's also, it's not just about marriage, but it's also an examination of, of the power dynamics and who has control. And that if you have control of your purse strings, and if you have, con- then you have control over your destiny. And I think that that's a very pertinent theme for us right now. Um, I'm also, again, by employing some more modern techniques and this this more diverse group of people that are performing, I'm also hoping to make a point about the fact that the world looks different than it than it used to and that we shouldn't be evaluating anybody by the way they look. We should only be evaluating them by their character and their beliefs and their actions. And so I think the production is sort of taking a foot forward in that direction. Are there any elements about this story that you might want to talk with Jane Austen about? Oh, interesting. Well, we we know that she was engaged for one day only. Oh my goodness. And we don't know the why's or or the or the what happened of that. So I, I would love to ask her that question. And I, you know, I would also just be interested in in hearing her thoughts about the plight of women that fell that ha- that that would fall into you know, prostitution or or severe destitution and the things that they get drawn to, because I, I feel like she has a lot of sympathy for that. And I also just think, you know, it'd be fun to just talk to her about what, you know, how what should the best recipe for marriage be like, you know, what what forms a good match? And uh, uh, it'd be fun to have that conversation with her. For our audiences who come to see the show, what do you hope the takeaway is going to be? What type of discussions do you want them to have on their way out? I'd love them to be thinking about the fact that we consider ourselves so... you know, so much beyond the era of Jane Austen. But one of the things that we've been talking about is 
how often, how, how, in fact, how similar things are that we still have, you know, codes for the ways people behave. We talked about, there was that book that came out a few years ago called The Rules, uh, this idea of like, you know, after you've had a date, you know, you should at least wait 18 hours before calling or texting. And, and in a way, those rules are not that much different from the same sort of code and rules that the, that these women are working under. And even though men, or, sorry, women have more options around working these days, it's still, as we again, as we have seen from recent headlines, w- women are still uh, much more vulnerable to the vagaries of male power and dominance, and their positions can easily be supplanted depending on their own behavior and their wish to climb in the world. So I guess I, I would love to have people walk out of this saying how modern the story feels and how uh, interesting it is that it just reaffirms her place as a writer of not just a, you know, chick flick kind of writer, but somebody who really understands people and human relationships and how they work and the essential connectedness that we all want to feel for each other. There's a group that is very connected to Jane Austen, uh, known as the Janeites. Yes. And I've been dying to find out, are you a Janeite? I'm not. I mean, I, I certainly, you know, I've, I've seen probably most of the movie adaptations and and I've I've not seen there's a BBC adaptation of Sense and Sensibility that I've not seen but so I've watched a lot of them and I'm a fan I wouldn't say I'm a Janeite although we do have a couple of Janeites in our group Kimberly Colburn who's our dramaturg is a is a definite Janeite but I would say I'm more of a, a slightly more casual fan than that but but definitely an admirer is there anything else about this production that you want our audiences to know about uh, you know, we're doing some really interesting things musically with it as well. We have uh, Martin Carrillo is our, our composer and sound designer, and he's essentially scoring the whole piece. And we're doing a similar thing there in that we talked about inspirations for the music, and we've landed on two composers, Debussy and Percy Granger, both of whom were writing music uh, a, a solid 50 years after Austin, or even slightly more than that. So again, I think that the music and the projections and the set will be a little bit of a nudge in a more, you know, in a more contemporary direction. So I, I think that will be exciting for everybody. One last point, you mentioned projections. How will those be utilized? Well, they will help us with location. I mean, so we'll be seeing um, sometimes that will sort of, you know, show us a little bit where we are. They will also enhance mood. They will kind of give us a definition between interior and exterior. And again, I think their very use will project um, a sense of movement and motion into the piece and also give it, again, a kind of modern feel. On that note, We'll wrap up this edition of the SCR podcast. My thanks to director Casey Stengel. Casey, as always, great to talk with you. Thank you. You too. She's directing the season opening production of Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility, adapted by Jessica Swale. The performances run September 1 through 29, 2018 on SCR's Segerstrom stage. Thanks also to our recording engineer, Mike Ritchie. For more information on this and other productions at Orange County's Tony Award-winning theater, visit us online at scr.org.